everybody. You're listening to the 33rd episode of the Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP, where we talk about drinks, baseball, and everything else under the sun. I am DeCarlo Calloway, alongside Dorian. And on today's podcast, we wear a spacesuit to elementary school, watch a summer blockbuster get pulled from the theaters, consider whether no hitters are a thing anymore, and we get crunk and represent your city. So, like always, we start these episodes by discussing what it is that we are drinking as we are recording these episodes. So for today, I am drinking a Pinot Noir from the Pinot Project, California Vineyard, 2019. It is getting me very, very wine-wasted this evening, and I am enjoying it because it's nice, subtle, and effervescent. What are you drinking today, Dorian? Hey, DiCarlo. Hi. I actually enjoy a Pinot Noir. That's one of my favorite, like, that's like a nice go-to red wine. That and a uh, Rioja from Spain. That never, that, that never fails to delight very, me. Very, very good choices. Yeah. So enjoy your wine. And I'm having, enjoy your California wine. I, and you're supporting American jobs. I'm supporting American jobs because I'm drinking, again, a local brewery. The beer I'm having is called Broomstick Brown Ale, and it's from a, a brewery called Lake Ann Brewhouse in Reston, Virginia. Reston, Virginia is about uh, an hour, about an hour west of the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. I'm going to have my little sip here first. It's a little brown here. It's a little, it's a, it tastes a little, a little, uh, little, little bit hoppier than I actually enjoy. It's not actually an IPA, but it almost tastes like a cousin of the IPA. But anyways, I'm going to give you a quick little insight into rest in Virginia. Everyone that listens to this podcast knows that we love Wait, space. Can I, can I ask you something first before we go to rest in Virginia? We're, we are in rest of Virginia. No, are we America? Are we, are we an American first podcast? Because I don't know whatever it's. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I, look, I this mean, is not a I mean, I'm podcast. all about, I'm all about building the man. Like I'm, I'm all about mm. like, you know, making sure we solidify our economy. Don't get me wrong. I just find it uh, a very, 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 um, I don't want to say interesting. It's not interesting. I just, I don't know. I just thought it was, it was nice. I wanted to illuminate that. We are, we are supporting American economy because uh, we live in it. <laughs> we live in it. And the people that listen to it um, also have use either Samsung or uh, iPhones or Nokia, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. The point, the point is, this is not a political podcast. This is a drinking baseball space and joking, joking around too. podcast. Huh? A lot of other things too. Yeah, even though we do, we do have some political stuff in here. But right. anyways, rest in Virginia. There's actually a cool thing in rest in Virginia. Though our listeners know that we love space. We love outer space. We love anything to do with things outside of Earth. There are two elementary schools in Reston, Virginia, named after Apollo 11 astronauts. Last week in episode 32, we saluted Michael Collins, who was the command module, who was in the command module, Columbia, while uh, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin were walking on the lunar surface. He passed away a few weeks ago. This week, I found out that they are, th there is something called the Buzz Aldrin Elementary School in Reston, Virginia, and it opened way back in 1994. And there's another elementary school 
named after another Apollo 11 astronaut, Neil Armstrong, the first man who walked, who say who walked in space, the first man who set foot on, uh, on the moon. Neil, Neil Armstrong Elementary School opened in 1986 for the 1986-1987 for the school year. And I thought that was pretty cool to say, you know, and it's a shame that, well, actually, I think both the elementary school's mascots are eagles, obviously, because the eagle was the, the, was the mascot of, Apollo, of the Apollo 11, of the Apollo program, or maybe it was Apollo 11. I don't know. Maybe this broomstick brown ale is getting to me, but cheers to any graduate from the Balls, Buzz Aldrin Elementary School or the Neil Armstrong Elementary School. So, Carla, did you go to any cool-named elementary school? Because I went to two, and they were just both named after the neighborhoods that they were located in. Yeah, I actually went to, uh, for shout-out to all my people in Flushing, Palmanock, DeVille, uh, yeah, Kew Garden Hills. I went to PS165, Edith K. Bertram School. It used to be the Vly School when I first got there, so anybody who's from that hood knows what year that's properly that what year that took place and um if i remember the story correctly edith k bertram was a local woman who helped who was really instrumental in getting the school built in the neighborhood and she passed away and then they named it after her um in honor of her so you know here's to 165 reaching and future to Carlo, for those people, for those listeners who aren't that familiar with the New York City Department of Education, why does every school start with PS? What does PS mean to those people, those listeners who didn't go to a school in New York? Public school. <laughs> there you go. You know, it's true. It's funny because it's. It's I just find a code name. That's really yeah, all it is. I find it like almost Soviet-like. It's like, this is public school one. This is public school five. This is public school 28. <laughs> No, but that's, that's the thing of government owning things. It's just, I mean, it's funny, but once you get to high school, it's different though. Like high schools don't have say, well, they have a a number associated with them, but that's only distributed um, through internal channels. Otherwise it's just known by the actual like name or as it's called in New York, it's called the DBN. Um, That's not proprietary knowledge. So I don't have to worry about that. But anyway, so, so yeah, so cheers yeah. to uh, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin Elementary Schools, and to your one of one of your favorite co-hosts, to Carlos' alma mater, PS PS one sixty seven or whatever one sixty five, one sixty five to the third power. What, yeah, PS one sixty five, reaching and teaching, man. Remember that. <laughs> there you go, home of the fighting. I don't know, squirrels or whatever. I don't know. I don't even remember. Did he have a name? No, I don't even remember. Oh, well. No mascot? Okay, well. No, no, no mascot. It was a really good school, though. Really good. I'm sure it was. So, and uh, our listeners also went to elementary school. I, I That I know for sure. And they graduated from elementary school. So, when you're Maybe sitting at... school. Or, well, the, the, prop, the statistical probability is that they actually went to an elementary school. Or maybe they lived on a farm and were schooled by, you know, just reading whatever. Corresp- correspondence education? Or Encyclopedia Britannica. Okay. All right. Well, for those of you who did, <laughs> congratulations, Marty Pants. The rest, everyone else went to normal elementary schools. And when you're sitting at home and you're getting mail or an email from any school you graduated from, hitting you up for money, which happens all the time, put that away for a second and, ni- and have a nice drink to calm yourself before 
sending money back so that a science lab can be named after you. Tweet us a picture of what you're drinking to relax you. Our Twitter handle is at HBP4040 and use the hashtag HBPDrink. At the yeah. top of the show. Well, before we move on, like, I was just thinking about, like, getting stuff. I, it's funny you would say, like, getting hit up by old schools. I actually recently got, like, mail from my old schools and, and emails talking about, do you, like, I, I mean, I try to give as much as possible, but, you know, I'm a baller on a budget. <laughs> and sometimes I feel as though, man, I invest, I'm like, my education, I paid for the experience. I didn't really pay for the curriculum. I could have given that anywhere. Like, do you yeah. actually give so much to them or like, what do you do? Cause I, I like actually giving, like, if I'm giving something, I'm, I, I know it's going towards future students who are, you know, will help to scholarships and, and doing that. Like, I think that that's great. Like I'm, I'm all for giving people opportunities when, you know, they need them to be able to, to continue to ascend. Like, what, what are you, like, are you, do you send them or are you kind of just like sparsely do it from time to time? Yeah, I used to be really good about that. And then over the past few years, I've, um, I have not, <laughs> it, but it's, you know, but the thing is that a family member once told me is if you're giving them whatever, a cup of, uh, uh, the equivalent of a cup of coffee or a nice lunch or a nice dinner, that's great. But in reality is you need to go out and build, build your financial wherewithal up, build your financial castle up. And then you give back in 20, 30 years and you have a building named after you, mm. or you have uh, a chair named after you. So you have, so you can, so you can help the school attract and retain the absolute best talent in a specific area of study. You know, I, and, I, and I think when I have that in mind, I think of uh, one of my favorite movies, Rushmore, which was directed by Wes Anderson. The one of, not the main character, but one of the, one of the characters is played by Bill Murray called, um, what was his name? Uh, Herman, Herman Bloom. If I have a watched... funny Bill Murray story, by the way. <laughs> no, so, seriously. I really yeah, no, I believe you. So in the 1988 movie Rushmore, Rushmore Academy is some excellent academy. It doesn't actually exist, but it's modeled on the, the private school that Wes Anderson went to in Dallas, in, in Texas. I don't know if it was Dallas, but certainly Texas. And Herman Bloom, played by Bill Murray, he gives back and they build a cathedral. He builds like a swimming pool. He's, he gives so much money. I'm like, that's my man. I'm going to be giving back. I will be giving back a lot to all the schools that I went to. Mm. No, I want to too, but I, I I definitely have like tears for for those like you know like my 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 undergraduate I got it that would be because you, you realize I think as you get older too you realize how influential those experiences and what came out of them really did to you. I know we've currently like it's but it, it's really it's really something like I at first I used to think it was kind of like hokey like oh people are giving back but but i'm like no it actually because you realize there is something to that and that experience and those 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 times you can never get those back and those are really 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 big investments that people make and so it's really important to ensure that other generations can continue to partake in those yeah and also another investment is investing in entertainment we all love going to movie theaters. And as Carlos said at the top of the show, sometimes there are summer blockbuster movies that do spectacularly bad 
and they they have to get pulled from the theaters after only like a weekend or two. And that's happening right now in Los Angeles with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And speaking of investment, when you go into movies, you know, DeCarlo, what, what I do, and I love going to the movies by myself. And I, I, uh, not I, it's, it's been a practice. I'm not going to say if I've done it or not, but I've heard that you can sneak in a flask in your pockets with, you know, if rum is your favorite drink, like heard I've done, (laughs) I don't want to incriminate anybody, but it's, you could be able to sneak a flask of rum there and have your little drink, order a nice cherry, uh, you know, a nice cola, mix it up and you're, you're, you're good to go. Uh, it's, I've heard that people do that in movie theaters. So (laughs) going back to this movie theater, this movie, the blockbuster movie that's going to get pulled, the Los Angeles Dodgers, they're the, the beast of major league baseball. They were supposed to be the hit movie of the summer. They were predicted to start to challenge the most wins in Major League Baseball history, which is held by the 1906, the 1906 Chicago Cubs, hey, Sonny, and the 2001 Seattle Mariners. It's 116 wins. And the Dodgers started out on fire. They started out the seasons with 13 wins and two losses, dot, 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 dot. But since that time, DiCarlo, they have lost five consecutive series and they've only won six times and have lost 15 games. Right now, their current record is 19 wins and 17 losses. They're not playing like a team is going to break the all-time wins record of 116 wins. Yeah, and they're probably not. not. No, that's not going to happen. But even then, Fansgraph, a great website. If you guys haven't checked it out, go check it out. Fansgraph is brilliant. They are super analytical, and they also have a podcast, which is at a much higher analytical baseball level than this one, called uh, Effectively Wild. We love them. Fansgraph still has them, still has the Dodgers with a 94.6% playoff probability. That's how confident everyone is. Is like, look, the Dodgers are struggling, but they're going to make it to the playoffs. It's, it's, almost, uh, it's almost impossible that they don't. And one thing that stood out for me was back on the 8th of May, there was an, in, you know, it's not really an intercity. It's not an intercity rivalry between the LA Los Angeles Angels and the Los Angeles Dodgers because the Dodgers play in the National League. The Angels play in the American League. The and Angels. Anaheim is nowhere near LA. Exactly. I mean, Anaheim it's, it's is Orange, Orange County. But it's Orange County, yeah. We talked about this last week in episode 13 with Kurt Suzuki playing in, in for the Los Angeles Angels. So anyways, they had a Southern California series. And on the 8th of May, the Dodgers went to Anaheim to play the Angels. The Angel, the Angels, the Dodgers completely stopped the Angels for the first six innings. They put up 13 runs. That's one three. They were up 13 to nothing going into the sixth inning. And the Dodgers completely collapsed. They allowed, DeCarlo, they allowed 11 runs over the next two innings. In the sixth and the seventh inning, they allowed 11 runs. The Dodgers, when I mean they held on, I mean they held on by their fingernails. They won, they air quote, won that game on the 8th of May, 14 to 11. It sounds like a bad high school game with like some missed field goal, some missed two-point conversion. It's, it's not good. And... DeCarlos' boy, Dodgers pitcher Trevor Bauer, he said, quote, I'm pissed personally. I freaking hate losing. 
I want to win. That's why I came here. We are not playing up to our capability right now. End quote. <laughs> yeah, nobody who's my boy would talk like that. <laughs> I'm pissed. You know, whenever anyone, when any, any, when any, whenever a sports figure says something like that, it always reminds me of if you remember the college football coach Mike uh, Mike Gundy when he when he coached the Oklahoma State uh, Cowboys, um, he was like, it, it, "You can YouTube it, people. Just look up Mike Gundy. I'm a man." They're, the reporters are asking him a question. They had just lost some game and they were criticizing, you know, his players. Cause he's like, and he goes, I'm a man. Toxic uh, masculinity, I, anybody? Huh? <laughs> That's a toxic masculinity, anybody? No, he goes, about? I'm a man. Come at me. I'm 40. Because he was mad that they just lost the game and the reporters were criticizing his football players. And were like, you know, yeah, you're 19, that. 20 years old. They're not professionals. I, remember, I do remember that. They like broadcasted that on ESPN for such a long time. It's classic it's yeah. and you know he, he completely lost it but good for him for defending his his young his yeah, young man that play. crying his face got red he's yeah. like these boys are like 20 come at me i'm a grown man exactly. you want to come at them you come at me i remember yeah, so, that that so, i mean that that's it's you're like wow he lost it but then you're like man he, like at first the initial reaction is wow like what a fool losing his shit. yeah but then in retrospect you're like wow he really was he really cared for his players and you could see how his players probably would just like throw themselves into the dirt for him i mean granted they didn't have the results to show for it but yeah but that's mike grundy people look that up youtube it mike grundy i'm a man on youtube <laughs> But I don't know if Trevor Bauer was had tears in his eyes, but he certainly said, I'm pissed. Um, and, and also the, gen, the current general manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers, Andrew Friedman. Andrew Friedman was formerly the Tampa Bay Rays general manager from 2008 to 2014. And since then, he's been the general manager of the, the mighty, monstrous Los Angeles Dodgers. He said, quote, I think the offensive slump that a number of guys are going through is part of the game and to be expected over the course of the season, end quote. So Andrew Friedman has more of a balanced approach. He's like saying like, look, we've had a lot of guys injured. These things happen. Trevor Bowers on the other spectrum yelling that he's, you know, I don't know if he was yelling, but he just said, I'm pissed, which I thought was hilarious because it always reminds me of uh, Mike Grundy, Mike Gundy, excuse me. And I just want to give you a couple of bullet points here of why exactly the Dodgers have almost collapsed. Like, like I said, they've lost, uh, what is it? They lost six of the they've only had six wins they've they've had 15 losses in 21 games it's absolutely insane they're they're you can't even say they're star because they have so many of them two of their stars the uh, right fielder Mookie Betts the shortstop Corey Seager they haven't been hitting they've had terrible batting averages Betts is hitting 257 Seager's hitting 244 these are guys who are, who are a lot better than that again it's early in the season secondly the bullpen they have a they've blown they have blown countless leads. So the Dodgers have put themselves into win. They give the ball to the bullpen and they just give up boatloads of run to to lose games. And lastly, like Andrew Friedman, the general manager, said, they ha- they currently have nine players on the injured list. The worst one being the right-handed pitcher Dustin May. He messed up his elbow back on the second of May, so the beginning of the month, and he requires Tommy uh, Tommy John surgery which is, oh, that's, that takes like 18 months to get back from, we, to get back if from that surgery. If you're lucky enough to actually recover from it. Yeah, but I mean, now it's, it's so common that it's, 
so many pitchers have Tommy John surgery. And you know what? That, that gives me an idea. One of these days, we're going to talk about what exactly Tommy John surgery is because even a normal baseball fan says, oh, that's terrible. He, he's lost for that pitcher's lost for the year to Tommy John surgery. But you don't actually know what the surgery entails. And that entails taking body parts to another body part. But we'll go yeah. into that later. And my, our HVP's hearts go out to Tony Gonsolin, who that's the pitcher we featured way back when we started this, probably like in episode five or something. He loves cats. And our Twitter handle, we follow Tony Gonsolin because he's a huge cat lover. And he's one of the nine players injured. He's rehabbing an inflamed right shoulder. So, Carlo, the movie for the 2021 Los Angeles Dodgers was the movie. The, the preview was amazing. Like when you watch that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. But the actual show so far is not good. By the way, Waterworld gets a bad rap. Waterworld was actually Waterworld was Kevin Costner's summer blockbuster movie in 1990. I don't even remember, but it was four 95 something in 1995 because Kevin Costner had come off of um, Dancing with Wolves in 93. He had come off after hit after hit after hit. And it's like, Oh man, this is his His passion piece. That was really, it was like, no, he like invested his own money. He went like, and it was supposed to make a statement of environmentalism and like what would happen if climate change and like, he really went uh, artistic way. This was kind of like, I got, you know, it's when you get like one of those development deals and you're just already coming off of huge success and people like, yeah, go ahead. And then they're like, Oh, Look, let, let me, Carlo. I'm going to tell you, because I just got a note here from our bullpen, the HBP and the, our, uh, our research team. This is how hot Kevin Costner was in the mid-1990s. I'm going to read you his filmography, his IMBD. In 1987, he came out with The Untouchables, and that was with Sean Connery and Winter Guys. Yeah. 1988, a little film by the name of Bull Durham, in, uh, which is a baseball film. In 1989... Field of Dreams with James Earl Jones, also a baseball team. Yep. 1990, as you had said, Dances with Wolves, which won like every single Oscar that they, they were up for. It was a good it, movie. In 1991, he came out with um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, oh, which was movie. that like... I love that movie. And then that same year, he was in Oliver Stone's JFK. Mm. The following year in 1992, a little movie by the name of the bodyguard with Whitney Houston. Amazing song. To the two, year, two years later, 1994, he came out with Wyatt Earp. That was a th- really good movie too. Yes. And then, God forbid, he made one overhyped movie in 1995 called Waterworld. And the reason it was not a bad movie. Oh, it was terrible. People gave it a bad reviews because it, at that time it was the most expensive movie ever made, and it's like people didn't like it, but they didn't understand the no, message. No, I understood the message and watched it, and it was terrible in my opinion. I'm sorry. Like, okay, I could, thought it. I thought it was good. No, I didn't think it was then, great. And, then, it was and good. then no, but you know what was insulting? What added insult to injury? The Postman. Like really, dude. Like he. Kept yeah, that, you're talking about afterwards. That's when he, yes, got, he but, got messed but up. But he didn't get the message. It was just like, let me continue. And then he kind of just. I think he found his. He was like, you know what? Screw this. I, I'm rich. I'm just gonna. I'll do whatever. And then he like had a few good movies like since. What was? I like the movie. What was um, Guess Who? 
Oh, no, it wasn't Guess Who. It was the one with um, Jennifer Aniston, and it was supposed to do a play on uh, The Graduate and how he, he was actually the inspiration for it. I can't remember the name of that. But that was actually a good movie, and he was in it. And um, damn it, he's made some pretty decent. Like, I thought he was okay as a, what is it, uh, Clark Kent's dad in the Christopher Nolan Superman movies, Man of Steel. I thought he did a good role in that one. Sure. So again, this is not a Kevin Costner podcast. We, we're going down the road of summer blockbusters because it's almost the summertime. The LA and Dodgers, we're old, so we reference now, movies. Speak for yourself, my friend. Speak for I, yourself. I, I, I look beautiful. I mean, if you guys could see me, I have immaculate <laughs> oh skin God. right now. But we'll let other people uh, say that. But anyways, the Dodgers <laughs> are struggling. Kevin Costner is a rich, crazy, wealthy man. And here we are doing a podcast, drinking good American uh, liquor and wine and beer and all that stuff. But anyways, watch, you should, people still watch the LA Dodgers because that's a heck of a team. And once they get everyone back, including our favorite cat love, one of our favorite cat lovers, Tony Gonsolin, they're going to be, they're going to go sail right into the uh, the World Series. But I also want to give a shout out to rising stars, rising starlets, since we're doing our little Hollywood theme right now. Uh, the center fielder for the Atlanta Braves, Christian Pache. He's a 22-year-old rookie from the Dominican Republic. Of course, he's from the Dominican. He's an amazing center fielder, and I haven't seen a center fielder this good since the days of a former Atlanta Braves center fielder, Andrew Jones. Christian Pache, back, I watched the game back on the uh, 6th of May when, they, when the Atlanta Braves were playing the Washington Nationals. Christian Pache had four putouts. Two of them were, one was super shallow right in front of him. So it's like right behind the second baseman. It's like a no man's area. And he just made it look so easy. Later in the game, he went to center left field, tracking down a ball right, right in front of the, right in front of the wall. It, it wasn't almost a home run, but those type of plays are made by other center fielders, but you see them and they're hustling, their they're, they're baseball hat, their baseball cap is flying, they're diving, and his, he was just like almost in a stride. And it was his positional awareness of where the ball's going is, is, a, is a beautiful thing to, to hold. And I'm very, as an Atlanta Braves, baseball, Atlanta Braves baseball fan, I'm very excited about Christian Pache def- defensively. Offensively, he's struggling. He's 22-year-old. He's a rookie. He's going to get better. Nothing too and then his counterpart, another Dominican, 23-year-old Victor Robles, the center fielder for the Washington Nationals. Also, he had two putouts in that game. He's awesome. I love watching beautiful center field play. So if you have a chance, watch Christian Pache from the Braves and Victor Robles from Washington. And Victor Robles has caught a lot of putouts for Max Scherzer, who's a fantastic pitcher for the Washington Nationals. And Max Scherzer, he's pitched, what, two, three no-hitters? Yeah. And it's funny because when you think about it, even just one pitcher being able to pitch that many no-hitters within their career, um, then if you look at – if you expand it and just look at the amount of no-hitters that have been taking place in the last, say, 30 years, and including this season. So, so far we already had four, and we're in May. Um, You've had five. Five, excuse me. My- no, I, I'm joking because uh, I said a few episodes ago, Madison Bumgarner threw a seven, a doubleheader, seven inning no hitter, but it's not counted as no hitter. The man no hit, no hit the brakes, but go so, on. I'm sorry. So, yeah. So, 
if you take that into consideration, that's quite a bit. But this is in the first season where we had that. 2015 had two by Matt Scherzer. Well, seven. Two were by Matt Scherzer. We had six in 2012. Three were perfect games. Uh, there were six in 2010. Roy Halladay threw a perfect game. And then his no-hitter in the playoffs. Then seven in both 90 and 91, including Dave Stewart and Fernando Valenzuela, on the same day in June of 19, well, June 29th, 1990. So are no hitters even, are they too cheap now? Like it's a really interesting question to ask because of course you sit back and think of like big accolades, especially like pitching accolades, like a no hitter or perfect game are like maxims. And um, like, to me, I think a no hitter, like for example, remember back in 1993 when Jim Abbott pitched a no hitter for the Yankees? Oh, that's right. Yeah, and Jim. But why was that such a special thing besides him throwing a no hitter? Jim Abbott only had one hand. <laughs> he was born with his left hand, and he was able to become a major league pitcher and do a no hitter. And which, of course, is hard enough for a person who has all of their appendages intact, and it's definitely harder for somebody who doesn't. So, like when I sit back and think about that, it's like, wow, that's that's huge. But now, when you sit back and see it happening so much, it really is begging to the question. So, you you got to ask yourself, like, what are some of these factors? So, are pitchers better than ever? Yeah, they kind of are. Their velocity, their velocities have increased, and there are many different factors that you could probably bring that to. Some people might even say that the increase of pitchers having Tommy John surgery or just sports medicine, even now. Those who come back from Tommy John usually, in many cases, come back throwing harder than they did before. And then there's, there's considerably, like, a vast amount of changes within sports medicine and just how players are prepared and keeping themselves healthy. So that's one possibility. Um, but has the shift uh, cut into batting average on grounders, especially for left-handed batters? We don't know. You know, there, we've seen defensive shifts put in place for power hitters. Like, I think, what was it? Back in 2000, you started to see that with, say, like Jason Giambi or like big players like that who, with the sports analytics, you're able to narrow down and, and micro-target where players tend to hit, especially those who are power hitters or, say, left-handed hitters. So you're able to implement shifts to kind of stop that. So that might be one thing that actually is to it. Um, but also just a level of hitting too. Ball players aren't playing. The, the hitters are not as good. They're, you know, overall left-handed. What we've seen players consistently drop in their batting average over time. And that's also a thing to keep in mind. But no, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to push back there, my friend. You're saying that the hitters aren't that good anymore. The problem is that the pitchers are too good. And so it's not there's like some a dead ball error though. Well, right, but there's some people who have said let's let's try to change the mound because the pitchers are so dominant. I mean, it's almost every team has multiple guys that can throw 100 miles an hour, which is ridiculous. 20 years ago, you had maybe one guy, one or two guys in all of Major League Baseball. Now, every team has one or two of those guys, like Jacob Degrom, the New York Mets all universe pitcher. He. He's throwing 100 miles an hour. As, as, out as, as, now as, for injured, like injured right, but he, but he, this isn't a reliever. This is a starting pitcher. That guy goes seven, eight innings every game. He's yeah. the pitching is almost too good. 
And by the way, just so so those of those of uh, some of the listeners who may not know all the intricacies of baseball, a no hitter is the, the the that the pitcher doesn't allow anyone on base, but a perfect game means that the pitcher doesn't. I'm sorry, no hitter means he does the pitcher doesn't doesn't allow a hit, but there are still some like people walks. that right cor- correct or getting on game. like for a wild pitch or a strikeout. Yeah. Yep, and a perfect game is. Nobody gets on base, which is even harder. But they're also play, like pitchers are throwing different pitches. Like you have fast, like pitchers who have high velocity, but they also are throwing sinkers. They're also throwing more off-speed pitches too. So that I think, I think if you couple pitchers who have high velocity but also have say like a twenty-mile-per-hour dip on their off-speed pitches. That also really does make a, a big change too, which does bring into effect also say the changes with like like Tommy John surgery. You're seeing kids who are getting it earlier and earlier too. You're having people who are coming into the major leagues who've already had maybe one or two Tommy John surgeries. So it's something to consider. But I, I mean, I do agree with you. Pitchers have gotten better, but I think that also just I mean, if you just bring that all together, it's mainly because. Pitchers are not just focusing. You're not just having a high-velocity pitcher stick to his fastball. He's throwing a lot more off-speed pitches too to mix it up and change it up. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. You're saying you were saying that you're raising the question of are no hitters even cool anymore? Is what you're trying to say. What you may have been questioning. It's the novelty of it. It's like oh, like I mean, granted, I would say I don't know if you think back to a time when you'd go to a game and you get rained out and you know that you can go the next day and you go to a double header. Like that was like, Oh yeah, I got a unicorn during it. Like, and now it's like, Oh no, you can't even really get into a game for the same. Like if you got rained out, you can't go for a double header. You'll just, you could get a rain check for another game, but just one game, like almost like removing the, the appeal of it for the most part, because it's not something that is, uncommon anymore it's just there it happens yeah i i do want to i do want to share this with people that um on the international level a no hitter a perfect game is a huge deal especially if the pitcher is foreign and the first two guys that that popped into my mind were the nicaraguan right-hander dennis martinez he and hadeki nomo i didn't know nomo did he pitched a perfect game no he pitched a no hitter okay so Dennis Martinez pitched a perfect game for the Montreal Expos, who no longer exist and are now they the Washington. bring them back, though. I saw somebody <laughs> walking with one of their jerseys the other day. They're, uh, the Mo- Montreal Expos moved to Washington, and now they're the Washington Nationals. But Dennis Martinez, he was a really good uh, pitcher, uh, and he actually held the record for most wins by a Latin pitcher for, for like 20 years until – the what is it the the big tubby guy from the New York Mets Bartolo Colon Bartolo Colon broke his record but it that took Colon it took Colon a long time but um but anyways Dennis Martinez pitched a perfect game against the Los Angeles Dodgers the Dodgers back in 1991 and that was a huge deal back in his native Nicaragua fast forward to Johan Santana he, he's more well-known for being a phenomenal lefty with the Minnesota Twins. And but he also, New York Mets. Yeah, but he also pitched for the New York Mets, and he's Venezuelan. And he threw a no-hitter 
against the St. Louis Cardinals back in 2000 and uh and he threw a new and he threw 2012 a with the Mets as well right no yeah he hit he, he only ever threw one no hitter which is phenomenal feat he threw it as a New York Met against a new against the St. Louis Cardinals back in 2012 and again it was a huge deal back in back in Venezuela where he's from so and now to, and now then now Johan Santana is a TV announcer with the Minnesota Twins um and he's 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 not bad. Yeah, it's a shame. He flamed out pretty quickly though. Well, he I had mean, um, shoulder issues. So, yeah. I mean, that's a shame though. It's not that, like that's a death killer. The, the, yeah. the funny thing is not the funny thing. The interesting is that Tommy John surgery is not a career killer like it used to be. No. For a pitcher shoulder injuries, that is a career killer and that that was the end for Mr. Santana. Yeah. Yeah, so anyways, I would still love to watch a no-hitter or a perfect game in person. Yes, because I did I actually did see a no hitter on TV, um, and I remember it was uh, I saw on, a few on TV. I saw Deja mm-hmm. Cohn pitch a no hitter for the and uh, David Wells. I saw the pitch's perfect game. I'll go you. I mean, the only one I really remember is the uh, Randy Johnson throwing a perfect game for the Diamondbacks, right? Back in two thousand and four against. You guessed it, the Atlanta Braves. It was very yeah. sad. It was so frustrating watching that. It was and actually I, I felt embarrassed watching that. Yeah, and I, I remember watching the almost that ended up turning into a one hitter, the almost perfect game that Mike Messina threw against uh, the Boston Red Sox in Fenway. Well, that, that that must have been yeah beautiful energy, but yeah, um, yeah, it was Carl Everett who broke up that no that perfect game. Sucked. Isn't he an announcer for ESPN now? Carl so. Edwards? Carl Maybe. Everett. Carl. Oh, okay. Never mind. I'm, I'm also thinking about the uh, the burgers that we talked about last Carl's episode. Jr.? Uh, yeah. Maybe he's related to them. Uh, probably not. No, Carl but, Jr. and Hardee's. That's... Okay. Never mind. We'll, uh, we'll, we're going to move on because we love, we love when perfect games and no hitters are pitched by our team. But we also need perfect skin. Yes, and that brings us to our show sponsor for today's episode, Sade Shea Butter Body Lotion. So, whenever you find yourself a little bit dry, especially when you come out of the shower, and, and this is for our people of color, we know when that ash starts to creep up on us, it ain't something that's pretty. It's something that can make you seem as though you stood outside in a hard, dead winter of Minnesota, which is someplace we don't really like to go. So, whenever you feel feeling ashy, don't hesitate to drop the cash to get rid of that ash. Bye, Sade Shea Butter Body Lotion. We want to thank Sade for giving us enough pocket money to buy Pinot Noir and uh, and, and beer. And when you use Sade's Shea Butter Lotion, Shea Butter Lotion, excuse me, you could you step after you step out the shower, you put on the body lotion. You look nah, it's Shea butter lotion. Shea, like Shea, like Shea Stadium. I don't know if they're gonna come back as as a show sponsor if I keep mispronouncing their product. Yeah, you can, <laughs> man. Shea butter. Anyways, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Shea butter from from Shade. We love we love that because as soon as you step out the shower, you put on that body lotion. You feeling fresh. You're looking cool. Clothes can also make you look cool, and it's and this in a, in our next segment unsolicited advice i'm going to be talking about some new jerseys new not new not the state of new jersey new jerseys that some of these baseball teams are going to wear 
Nike, Carlo, I don't know if you heard, but Nike, everyone knows Nike. Nike has come out with something called MLB, Major League Baseball, MLB City Connect Series. So what they're doing is that they're choosing a handful of teams this year and giving them, for lack of a better word, a makeover yeah. to, to do a refresh for their jersey. Not a permanent one. It's just, it's just for one series for the entire season. Yeah. And the seven teams that Nike has, I don't, Nike has selected are They're designated for this. Season. There you go. Designated are the Boston Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox used their MLB city connect series back on the 7th, 17th of April. They already used it last month. The Miami Marlins are up next. They're, they're, they're going to show off their new city connect series jerseys on the 21st of May. HBP's own one of our favorite teams, the Chicago White Sox. They're Speak also going to. How can you not like the White Sox? You love I, Jose Abreu. No, I don't. You don't like Jose Abreu. I don't love him. Okay, well. He's a good player. What? Well, I don't have, I'm, I don't have I'm to using, develop like romantic and sensual feelings. I, I never. Okay, you know what? That that sounds like a personal issue because I. Hey, didn't when you say that. love, I mean. Come I didn't on, mean man. love. I didn't mean like that kind of love. I meant like love. Anyways, no ordinary love. What? Reference. Sade. So, anyways, (laughs) I'm using the royal we. We on this side of HVP love the Chicago White Sox. They are gonna they're gonna show off their City Connect series jerseys on the 5th of June. The Chicago Cubs on the 12th of June. The Arizona Diamondbacks. Why? Why? Nobody. On on the 9th of July, and uh, finally the LA Dodgers uh, sometime in August. As usual, I always say it's a conspiracy theory. Why aren't the Atlanta Braves one of the first teams to do this cool new thing? I actually kind of, I kind of like this idea because everyone knows, not everyone knows, but usually the NBA, National Basketball Association, they're like the coolest league. They always have the most innovative ways to market their sneakers, their players, their jerseys. Years ago, the NBA came out with something called the City Edition jerseys, and... I think I think this is Major League Baseball's response to everyone wearing really cool NBA jerseys. For like my my favorite but, one. But can I interject? I think it's kind of I don't know. I the NBA is hard to duplicate. It's hard to duplicate because the the market is different. When the when. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find a way to say this. I'm going gonna, I'm to bring this up later. I'm, I'm going to save you with that. I'm going to save I, you with that. I'm gonna bring I mean, you MLB, it's, it's, it's cool, but it's not cool. I'm going like, to bring you in. Don't like, worry, my friend. But I, look, I, I see what they're going with. And you I'm know what? This is with. Nike that's pushing it. Because Nike is like, you know what? For one, they want to sell jerseys. And they want to be able to sell the specialty ones. And to be able to provide something that could be relatable to a city that gives it a little bit more like personality they could see it as 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 a marketable thing which is it's smart but it's going to take some time i think to get on the same level with the nba nba is just cool as hell right now i gotta say that so nike's plan is that they're rolling out these 17 these what is it uh like eight nine teams in i'm sorry it's seven teams in 20 in the 2021 season and by 2023 so in two years from now They'll have a City Connect series jersey for all Major League Baseball teams. And Nike put out a statement saying, quote, the uniform series explores the personality, values, and customs that make each community and their residents unique. Building on the rich heritage of each club, 
the City Connect series pushes the boundaries of baseball uniform design to create new traditions and help grow the game of baseball, end quote. Couched in that press release is what DiCarlo was trying to say. One of the many problems that we love baseball. It's fun. It's amazing. It's been around forever. But one of the current problems they have is they don't, the, the lack of impact with certain youths. And by, me, well, by certain youths, I mean black youth. And DiCarlo was trying to say, and I'll say it for you. <laughs> I know, it's Every, funny, the black guy is, like, afraid to say it. Uh, why am I is, trying to not get it's, it's, Everyone sees that the NBA just does things differently, and they do it uh, – I'm not saying they do things perfect, everything perfectly, but they do a lot of things very well. But and you know what? They also the cool have factor. a lot of outreach. The yes, NBA gets into the community. Yes, exactly. Major League Baseball does not do that. And I. that's one of the – believe me, if I had a billion dollars – burning a hole in my, if I had Jeff Bezos money, forget Jeff Bezos. If I had Oprah Winfrey money, I would buy the Atlanta Braves. I love, huh? Oprah. I love Oprah. Okay. Well, no, I'm she's... saying, honestly, I just, I respect that woman to such a degree because I mean, if you know her story, like she went through, she went through trenches, man. And to yeah. be able to rise, like you just have to applaud people like that. I mean, not for nothing. If Oprah said to me, if I read her, she's like, I want to give you a guest house. All you have to do is just rub my feet for a day. Oh, did I say this is that? starting to sound like the Dave Chappelle skit when he marries. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Oprah Winfrey. You know what, people? Maybe later, later in the year, we'll have an Oprah Winfrey and Kevin Costner special podcast. Yeah. But going, going, closing this out is I'm it. I'm happy. I'm not thrilled, but I'm happy that Major League Baseball is trying to do things differently to make to up their even if it's deliberate, even if obviously it's done by Nike, they're trying to up their cool factor. Because like I said earlier, the NBA does this and they do it the best. And my favorite city edition Jersey for the NBA is obviously the Miami heat. They wore every year they change it. And so my favorite one that they've done over the past, I think it's five, four or five seasons that they've done it is something called vice wave. And they wore it during the, the 2019, 2020 season which they ended up playing in the NBA Finals against the L.A. Do- LA Dodgers, uh, uh, the L.A. Lakers. Lakers. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. People, look it up. Go on your internet machine. And it, like, fuses from Vice City, like Grand yeah. Theft Auto. And yeah. Miami and Vice. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. and so look it up, people. It's called – just type in Miami Heat Vice Wave. It's the jersey's baby blue, one of the most beautiful colors ever created. They have the Miami, they have the Miami script in white and the jersey number of the player in pink. It's just beautiful. You can and just just picture hearing our opening theme as you look at that. Then it makes sure. even more sense. <laughs> this no, is very seriously, true. Totally You're right. Nice. Yeah. But what make what, what would thrill me though that night I love that Nike put you definitely know that Nike pushed this with uh, the commissioner's office and whoever in marketing department, whoever that world runs this for major league baseball but if our longtime listeners remember back in way back this is episode 33 back in episode six i brought up the fact that i would love for major league baseball teams to hire local artists to help design their championship gear if they go to the house if they win a division if they win the world series or if they want to do this there's some kind of like city you know, uh, city rep, rep your city, like, um, 
you know, little John says, and that's really would, that would really tap into what this, what that specific city or town is about. I, that would make, that would thrill me. But of course they outsource this to Nike. Nike's up, Nike's going to the right direction. So who brings I'm the color of see, the UCLA Bruins to Boston? Right. And again, I, I, yeah. For, yeah. I, I mean, that, that that's, that's kind of so like, like solidifying. It's like, okay, really? Hmm. It's it's it was interesting because the Boston Red Sox again, like I said, they're the first ones to have the city the city connect jersey. Theirs their traditional colors are white and red. Nike gave them basically. If you guys know UCLA, it's like baby blue. It's it's like baby blue and gold. It's like okay, and they said something about the Boston City Marathon and Paul Revere and drunk Irish Sam Adams people. I have, I'm joking. I have no idea. And the Miami Marlins are playing in their city connect jerseys in like two weeks on this. Like I said, in the 21st of May, you cannot find what that looks like yet, which I think is bad. Like you need to be able to build up to the release of these. This should, this should be an exciting thing. So I'm waiting to see what everyone else is going to be. I'm waiting to see what the Chicago Cubs, the Chicago Cubs, the Chicago White Sox city connect Jersey. Look it up people. City Connect jersey. Look up the Miami the Miami Heat Vice Wave jersey. It's absolutely beautiful. And again, I wish that Major League Baseball owners would hire local artists to do work in their stadium for their patches, for new hats, new caps, everything. It would be amazing. I love art, and I think art should be brought into sports. But that is my unsolicited advice to MLB. Slight tip of the hat for doing something different and trying to get a new segment. And it's not just frankly, just to get like black youth. It's just trying to get more people because everyone wants to look fresh and cool with their body lotion and uh, their jerseys. You know who else always looks fresh and cool? Our pets. Tweet us a picture of your pet watching you get dressed. Maybe that sounds a bad. Yeah, that's <laughs> Tweet us a picture bad. of it. Or how about, we, how, Tweet about, us a... how about we get your pets like watching you while you drink coffee? while you trip while you um are watching television and they are reacting to you that yeah. our twitter handle is our twitter handle is at hbp4040 and when you send the picture use the hashtag hbpets hbpets all righty and that's a wrap everybody i hope you really enjoyed this show we hope you enjoyed this show and we want to thank you for listening, of course. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a review. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at HBP4040, and our drinks will be in the show notes. Make sure you join us next time for a brand new episode of HBP, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Peace and love.